Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And, and I'm out, out of favor. <laughs> okay. And we and are not paying attention. Uh, yeah, we are Wall Street professionals, 35 years, who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks here on the show each week, or roughly each week. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week... It's September 10th, 2017. Uh, I've got three uh, ideas that came off a price-to-cash-flow screen, and Otto has some ideas that came from somewhere, a cab driver perhaps. Or yeah, just, they, just, they just come to me in the middle of the night. They come to you in the night. Yeah. So before we get to all that, and we might have some other stuff on the show. We never know. Uh, we do as little work as possible, as you know. But a couple of important caveats. First, this show's for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, we are Wall Street professionals during the week, and we do a lot of careful analysis, talk to management teams, uh, study financial statements. And uh, thank you, Otto. You're welcome. Uh, and we've been very careful not to do any of that here on the show, or at least I'll speak for myself. Otto may have done some work. I don't know. But um, And then third... My lawyer says to remind you, we do not have your interests in mind, certainly not your best interests. We're mainly just me-oriented here, and so anything we say might be the opposite of what you should do. So consult your advisor, your attorney, your mom, and, uh, and again, we uh, are uh, just uh, getting this going after work. And fourth, um, I'm drinking tonight. Um, and Otto is uh, drinking as well, and um, again, Otto has brought some some uh, knowledge of the uh, wine uh, landscape to the show, a badly missing ingredient over the years, despite the fact that we were heavily drinking the whole time, and I don't know if you have any comments about the wine, or should we just forge ahead? Or um, maybe, I really honestly just picked this up because um, I was in a rush, yeah, and I actually went to my local liquor store, and the well, the, let me just give the listeners a little bit of a backdrop here. We figured it was, or I did anyway, mm-hmm. that it, we were ending up late in the season, finishing up summer, so we close it out with a rosé. So rosé has been a uh, very popular summer beverage this year, probably more popular than other years, and many people have uh, gravitated towards it. This one in particular is a. Uh, it's called a uh, Rocassant, and um, it is a, like many rosés, a blend. And you can get this at your local store, I don't know, $12, $13. It's really yeah, not that expensive. Okay. Rosés are fairly inexpensive. Thanks for getting that. And uh, it's a Sinsalt, a uh, Grenache, and a Syrah blend. Uh, really nice. And, you know, as you look at, you know, many of these, um, they're, they're really just cold, you know, drinkable lovely wines and so they're great for the summer so we figured we'd kind of send it off in a uh fashion highlighting the summer and uh finishing up with well, the rosé so see so, you Otto. thank you yeah delicious we'll get back to the cabernets and the uh heavy in reds the fall, and more of a fall, fall and winter yeah. as we kind of plunge through you know the january and we'll need more of it because i notice you're just bringing one bottle but Maybe in the winter we need an extra bottle. Yeah. I don't know. Well, cold. Yeah, right. Um, all right. Well, let's launch ahead. Um, we've got a handful of good ideas this week, or medium ideas, and I'll just tell you what they are. I'm going to be talking about Westlake Chemical um, and then uh, Signer Resources, which I never heard of, which is – I love that, and then Penn National Gaming – these all came off a price-to-cash-flow screen of less than eight times, so they're all, in effect, sporting, at least on trailing you know, cash flows, over a 12% cash-on-cash return, and that's pretty interesting. So, But before we get to that, I think Otto has some uh, Wall Street commentary, I believe. 
of some kind. Well, last week in the market, uh, a lot of things to talk about. We had the oncoming hurricanes, which, uh, you know, obviously uh, our uh, prayers go out to everybody involved in Florida. We hope they uh, get through with uh, an out-of-harm's way. So, uh, you know, you had North Korea um, ignite another uh, effort to talk about uh, putting together a uh, test for nuclear weapons. And then uh, President Trump uh dance with the Democrats to push out the uh, debt ceiling a little bit and uh, put some cash aside for the uh, hurricane victims. So uh, with that in mind, you had the uh, S&P was down six-tenths of a percent. Dow was down, I think, around 190 bucks, uh, 190 points, um, down to 21,797. So that's just about nine-tenths of a percent. NASDAQ was down 1.2% to 6360 and despite all that, uh, the S&P 500 is just about eight-tenths of a percent below its all-time high. So, Yeah, it's hard to get too negative when you're flirting with these highs, right. despite all the you know, news, the disruptions, concerns about the economy. I mean, business is forging ahead. Employment is great. Returns are good. Companies are well-positioned, I think, for the next few years. They seem to be spending some of their cash. I saw... Well, we might get into a little section on the economy later, but um, it seems that people are a bit optimistic, and that's driving a little bit of a uh, stronger economy. GDP just got revised upward. I think it's flirting with 3% now. Um, so good times ahead, right, Otto? Well, uh, the market well, seems to be saying that, yeah. right? The bond market, though, on the other hand, is not so convincing. Ten-year uh, uh, touched uh, like 205 uh, tickling, uh, trying to get towards that two percent range. So, it's uh, yields have come in quite a bit with all this, um, call it cross currents in the market. So, the question becomes, who's right, the bond market or the equity market? Um, so, with that in mind, uh, you know, as you, you look out, you pointed to earnings. It looks like earnings are holding up pretty well. Um, when we looked at uh, revisions, uh, upward, upward versus downward revisions seems to be that uh, things are pretty much staying towards the status quo. We're not seeing the decline of negative revisions coming through by companies. So with that, we're hopeful that the next up-and-coming quarters should be, and the outlook for next year, uh, should remain pretty good. So uh, we'll see, I guess, what happens with that. Um, I'm kind of in the camp of thinking that the markets, given the drag back from the bond market, I just don't see that it, the up, up, and away, unless we can get some uh, help from, uh, from you know, seeing rates move higher, I guess. But I guess we'll see. But with that in mind, that's kind of was the uh, telltale for last week. And uh, so on that note, I think we should try to kick it off and uh, give these people what they paid for. All right. <clears throat> well, let's get to a couple ideas. I did very little work this week. I, <clears throat> uh, unlike other weeks, of course, I just did a screen, very simple. I love simple screens that you can just get an inbox of stuff to look at uh, one by one. Um, you know, these ideas need to be handcrafted, I think. You know, computers can spit out stock ideas, and then people get divorced from what's actually happening. Sometimes you just got to go in there yourself. I'm using a tool called YCharts, which uh, has a lot of stuff for free. Um, but you can do these screens on actually Yahoo Finance or I think uh, maybe even Google Finance has some um, free screens that are very simple. This one's just priced to free cash flow. So listeners hear me talking about uh, cash flow yields. I'm always using a proxy for cash flow, which is EBITDA, which is cash flow actually um, before we've paid for a lot of stuff quite honestly, before we've paid interest, uh, before we've paid taxes, uh, because in part I'm just trying to get at what did the business generate before we, you know, get into the capitalization. Or I have an the, uncle who lives in taxes. Does he? Yeah. Well, um, he can't be happy with that. Um, but in any case, uh, so, but free cash flow is actually not hypothetical free cash flow. It's real free cash flow. So it's after you've paid for everything. Now, the reason I don't like it typically is that you can have surges in <clears throat> capital spending. You can have surges in, uh, you know, acquisitions, divestitures, things like that that will skew that number around. So that's why I tend to prefer EBITDA. But today, just for fun, I did this screen, price to cash flow, 
And then uh, that left me with, uh, I did price to cash flow below eight and positive. So I wanted positive cash flow. That left me um, with 350 companies um, in, uh, on U.S. exchanges. And that was too many to go through for the show. That would have been way too much work. So I laid in, a, um, in effect, a safety factor, which is, for me, in this case, was debt to EBITDA. So in other words, how many years of EBITDA would it take to pay off all the debt? And I put a cap of two on that, which, I mean, zero is better or negative, but two is um, still within the zone of pretty good. That left me with 44 names. I didn't like that quite as much. So then I added a little valuation uh, more traditional enterprise value to revenue below two. That gave me 35 names to look through, and I've been sitting here with auto drinking, looking through these names. And I now I, I've got a handful to talk about. A bunch of things that came through here, just like last week, are retailers that people are worried are dead, and that worry is well-placed because some of these things are dead. So I didn't want to dip into that this time. There's some energy guys on here, and I think those are worth looking at because undoubtedly uh, energy prices are just one uh, black swan away from you know being back at higher, much higher prices. Um, and uh, you know there's a few other things. But what I came up with, I went through each one. They passed the screen I mentioned, so they're delivering free cash flow. But I was looking for something else, some kind of sustainability, some kind of edge, some type of thought that they could maintain market share, et cetera. And I could be completely wrong and probably am. But here's what I came up with. Number one, uh, Westlake Chemical. Now, Westlake Chemical. What's the symbol on Westlake? It's WLK. Uh, the stock is at $76. It's traded between 48 and 79 So unlike last week, I did a new low list or near the low. This is actually near the high. A lot of people on Wall Street like it. Um, again, not always a good indicator for me personally. But it passed this free cash flow screen. And you look into it a little bit. These guys are a petrochemical producer. They're the largest producer in the United States of low-density polyethylene, which is a plastic that goes into packaging. All these plastic bags, food wrap, all this stuff we get. These guys are um, one of the largest, is the largest producer of that. And so if I think the economy is going to stay good, which I do, how much stuff's getting packaged or put in a bag a lot? Again, that's not scientific. But these bags are ubiquitous, and that way I don't have to pick which product's going to win. Um, whatever you buy is going into a bag. And these guys are the largest producer. Undoubtedly, the input prices are very important. So we're in this period where oil prices aren't too bad. And the, uh, the derivative goods from that, you know, there's big charts on this. So I don't know how directly correlated uh, these polyethylene prices that they receive for their product are to uh, the, food, the feedstocks that come in. Obviously, you need to know a little something about that. But I would say the inventories here are not so high as to cause me to be worried that you could get completely slammed on an inventory uh, mistake. And so what I like about it primarily is the valuation. And then I'll say they've had, uh, they've had a decent uh, return on assets over time. Um, right now they're running in the 5% range, which um, doesn't sound great, but when Treasury bills are at 2 5% on assets is pretty good. That's before you have any leverage on it. It's two times revenue. It's 10 times EBITDA, which is, again, a 10% cash-on-cash return the way I traditionally measure it. The P.E. is low. Uh, I was going to tell you the number, but it just, just bounced off my screen. Um, hold on here. Let me get back to it. The forward P.E., Looks like it's, uh, yeah, 12 times, and that's pretty good. And so uh, the debt-to-EBITDA debt to is one. They're in very good shape. So, again, I don't want to get too deep into this. Westlake Chemical, 
I think they're a play on continued strength in manufacturing and consumer spending. And I believe they look like they're smart in terms of managing the spread between feedstock costs and end product costs. And so I think it's worth waiting into taking a look at Westlake Chemical. Auto. What, what's the market cap? The market cap. Uh, let's see here. Well, revenue is $7 billion, And the market cap is, I don't know. Hold on. What the hell? Heck. Excuse me. Sorry, everybody. Uh, $10 billion. $10 billion. Auto. $10 uh -huh. billion. Enterprise value, $13 billion which tells you what net debt they have on mm -hmm. top of the uh, market cap they got, you know, basically $3.5 in debt. Mm. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, switching over to something a little, a little bit more um, boring um, is um, furniture componentry. Um, there is a company that this week came out with a bit of news guiding down um, their earnings going forward kind of gave a little bit of a pullback on previous guidance the name of the company is called Leggett and Platt symbol is L-E-G leg um, it's about a five and a little over five and a half billion market cap uh, stock trades about 16 16 and a half times next year's numbers um, and that's the recent guided down version um, operating margins around 12 plus um, the company uh, came out and said, you know, with the furniture business the way it is, with the mattress business the way it is, we're uh, going to have to reduce a little bit of our earnings. And, and I'm not talking, you know, monumental. Um, they came down about, oh, five, four percent, you know, but enough to rock the stock down considerably. The mattress business is not uh, good right now? Well, there's a lot of uh, cross currents in the mattress business. Um, so there's been kind of a, call it a sales pause, if you will, a little mm. bit of change in, in the mattress business. And, of course, keep in mind, they do the spring loads and things of that nature for uh, mattresses. And you also have, um, there has been some concern that, you know, many people are moving towards these non-spring-enabled mattresses like, you know, that they have that they're just memory foam. foam. Yeah. Yeah. So, but with that said, there's still a lot of mattresses that hold or are hybrids that have foam and spring, you know. So. A lot of traditional mattress users, they don't want to move to something that's, you know, strange to them. I don't know. I, went, I, did, I tried the foam. I, yeah, what'd you think? Yeah, I liked it. Like at hotels, yeah. right? You're on the road, yeah, we're on the road. Right. I like it. It's a place it. you try right. a lot of different things. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'll tell you. I mean, I like... I, uh, I like it, I have to say. Um, Whether I'd buy one, I don't know. Right. Um, they uh, So, Leggett and Platt came out with this forecast, reduction of guidance and sales, and said, you know, with the furniture market the way it is, and we're just going to have to pause now. Many people, as you would imagine, everybody ran to the sidelines and uh, sold the stock down. Uh, downgrades pretty much uh, started to ripple through the market, down, you know, downgrades of the earnings estimates, et cetera. Well, what I'm telling you is that, you know, when the market tends to take a good company and be short-term thinking with it, this is a company that has almost four decades of Dividend annual dividend increases. Their dividend is um, three point three percent. Pays a buck forty four uh, in a dividend. So the dividend is you know with their cash is extremely uh, safe. These guys live by their dividend. Um, with that, you also look at stocks about twelve times EBITDA, a little over one times earnings. I, I'm sorry, one times sales. Sorry about that. And so with the company's recent guidance downward, there's a couple of things that I think are need to be, be paid attention to. Uh, one is the current influx of the mattress and uh, furniture industry. Now, granted, I don't think this is going to get better anytime soon, but I don't think it's going to get that much worse. So with that in mind, you've had many people reduce inventory. That's basically cut into um, – demand for Leggett's products. Steel prices have uh, moved up. That was a little crimp on margin. So overall, you have a company which has been in business for a number of years. I mean, a long, long, long time. These guys are not a flash in the pan. They've been around for a very long time. I would tell you that with the ROE, we had an ROE of 30% on this company. 
It's a, they make you know nice. engineered products for furniture and mattresses. So this is a, a company that has a design feature to their product. It's not just a strictly a manufacturer uh, feature. So with that, I think people should start taking a look at Leggett, symbol L-E-G, um, for the dividend, uh, for the long-term value I think that this company uh, provides. Uh, they also do auto industry things as well, you know, for the auto, for uh, cushioning and, you know, things of that nature. So, uh, you know, th- there is some volatility with auto. But now taking consideration, you know, and I don't mean to be morbid on this, but, you know, that's sometimes in Wall Street, you got to look at the morbidity side of it, mm-hmm. um, is uh, with the hurricanes out there, there's going to be some replacement. Replacement, yep. You know, we've had Houston and now, you know, Florida. Now, it's, I don't think it's, it's going to be huge, but I think it'll at least put a little bit of reinvigorated demand back into mattress and uh, furnishings. Uh, for the house that may bring these guys back a little bit. So with that in mind, I think this one here is a, is an outstanding uh, earnings um, estimates for 2017 have been brought down around 240, and for next year, let's call it around 255. So nothing too exciting, but you know this is a company that has some leverage opportunities. It's a great company, solid management, long. Um, long uh long history in uh their markets and uh i just think it's an opportunity to take a look and if you look at where historically it trades it's trading at the low end of its pe valuation historically so with that in mind i think you know take a look at it it's a in my mind a a great look i would add to that uh otto that uh, these guys are um over the last 20 years they're at their peak Return on capital right now, 16%, never been higher. Same on return on assets, 11%, never been higher. So uh, margins are right in line, 9%. So um, it's undoubtedly asset utilization that's getting them to these levels, and I see that one, you know, they're toward peak levels on that. So um, debt's creeping up a little bit, so maybe they're buying shares back or – I don't know if they're doing acquisitions. I don't see that here. But I will say that while debt's creeping up, the coverage of the debt in terms of cash flow to interest is also at record levels. So um, whatever they're doing, they're, they're doing it very inexpensively. So it looks I, – I like it, Otto. Good pick. All righty. So, okay, I got a number, another one here. Signer Resources, um, which, you know, remarkably – is one of those names that I always come to now and then that I hadn't ever looked at before, and I like that. Ticker is C-I-N-R. It got through this very simple screen. That's the great thing about screens. They work for you. So it's got a 12% free cash flow yield, and then it's got a decent uh, balance sheet measured as a debt to EBITDA below 2 and enterprise value to revenue below, too. So it meets a lot of nice criteria. Uh, what these guys do is they're engaged in the production of natural soda ash from its facilities located in Green River, Wyoming. And I just want to say, just as an aside, and I'm not an accountant, but for those of you that like Wyoming, if you really started doing a lot of work on this stock, I think travel expenses to company headquarters that you end up buying the stock are tax deductible. I just want to throw that out. This is probably in a very beautiful area, Green River, Wyoming. And undoubtedly, there's a big mine there. And people might be saying, okay, what does soda ash do? Well, I was going to say that. I was yeah. actually going to say, what does soda ash I do? Saw, I saw you thinking that. Mm-hmm. Um, soda ash is actually, and I'm just going from memory here, so please don't quote me, but it's sodium carbonate. Um, which is the symbol Na2CO3, I believe. That's oh. from memory. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of thinking. And also from wem- memory, I just want to say it's a white anhydrous powdered or granular material. Which is wow, you got totally a memory. You got a great memory. From memory. That's 12th grade uh, science, I'm remembering. Now, as a result, this product is used in the manufacturing of glass, detergents industrial products of all kinds. It's one of the most widely used and important, again, just from memory, 
commodities in the United States substantially contributing to the gross domestic product. And I'm just going to add, and to the world, auto. And so as a result, uh, I'm curious why it's so cheap. It's undoubtedly stuff I don't know anything about because I've done very little work. But I do want to say that these commodity products um, were at a peak in terms of manufacturing, and so it's possible that inventories are too high, putting some price pressure on this. It's possible that the market is predicting a downturn. Um, but the thing about this company is I, took a, I did a teeny bit of work before recommending it here. Um, you know, their operating revenues got a lot of history here, and they are looking a little peaky. They're just running around $120 million a quarter. It's been that way for a while. Um, their operating income is also down off the high. So what I'm guessing is that pricing is a little bit under pressure. Their SG&A expense has actually you know, been up a bit, but largely in line. Um, their cost of goods is rising while their operating revenue is declining. So something's going on. These guys always get squeezed these types of middlemen. And when they do get squeezed, the stock comes in, and then you have a chance to buy it. So that's why this has come up. They're still generating a lot of cash. It got through the screen, 12% cash return. But the market is undoubtedly anticipating this thing is going to get worse. The stock is off. It's uh, 30, looks like $31 high. It's now around 24 um, it's got a 26% return on equity. The balance sheet is in really terrific shape. Um, it's got a, uh, it's got a, uh, uh, what else does it have? Um, well, the gross profit margin is 25%, gross, uh, the, the EBITDA margin 23%. It's got a lot of really good financial characteristics. Return on assets, 10%. So undoubtedly, the market thinks this is about to go bad. Um, and all I would say is soda ash is going into everything that we like. Things made out of glass, things that, you know, soap, uh, cleansers, detergents. And so it's going to grow with... GDP, and it's going to grow with industrial production. Industrial production in the U.S. is in the ascension because of our, you know, uh, self-reliance in energy now and labor costs equivalent with, you know, what were for years and years and decades cheaper Chinese labor costs. Those are in sync now. So we're going to be in the ascension. These guys are going to benefit from that. I think it's cheap. I think the market's misgaging the outlook here. So I'm going to wade in with this one. Signer Resources, ticker C-I-N-R. Otto, that's my pick number two. Uh, on the soda ash, I mean, is it, a, uh, is it a tradable commodity? Do they trade it like, is it like oil or is it just? I'm sure. Mm. You have to, there's got to be a futures market for these people, these giant glass manufacturers. And, uh, well, let me just see if I can get some quotes. My guess is it's going down at the, uh, you know, retail level, but it's going up at the wholesale level. That's why they're getting beat up a little bit. But those things always flip around. Let's see. Soda ash prices. It'd be nice if we could just dial that up. I wish we see that up. Global market prices. Let's see. Global market prices for soda ash. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a free sample price report. So, now, that requires a login. You have to get a soda ash specialist on the, on, the, uh, on the call. Yeah. Huh. Soda like it could be his name. No? Yeah, well, yeah, well, we'll think of something. Right. But so, yeah. I don't have anything on this. Wait a minute. Um, July price movements. No, everyone wants to sell something here. So, I don't know. Well, so that's the homework you have to do. Right. But it looks like an opportunity to me. Okay. All right. I was going back and looking at some of our previous shows because I wasn't quite sure if I brought this name up in the past or not. It's a name that i kind of been fiddling around with. And um, 
I think we're now kind of, you know, basically moving away into call it the from the ashes and starting to crawl out of it. Not a uh, this is a company which uh, basically participates in the um, payment or the POS hardware and software that when you go to the store, take your card, you push it in the machine, you punch in your debit card number if you have one, if it's just a credit card, it reads, you know, you've all done a swipe or insert process when buying something. They make the product that they make that uh, hardware and software. The name of the company is called Verifone. Symbol is P-A-Y. It's uh, $2 billion market cap, and this has been an on-the-come story for better part of a, of a little over a year. Um, if you all may r- remember, there was a point in time when uh, we all were going from the swipe to the chip. That's called EMV enablement. That's a higher security, you know, functionality for uh, utilizing um, transactions at the retail level for consumers. So everybody, you know, and, and by the way, can I point out that you did a great job on the snacks? You Thank really you. did. I mean, you went above and beyond. Well, you're bringing Very, these fine wines. I thought well, I could bring some yeah, you, crackers. You hit it stuff. out of the park. Thank you. Um, and so as this as transition has taken place, many in Wall Street kind of jumped on the bandwagon going, oh, okay, great, we're moving to this, there's going to be some hardware installed, new software installed, blah, 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 Verifone's a winner. Everybody jumped in, and guess what? Wah, wah, wah. We had uh, Main Street basically be very slow for enabling EMV because the cost for a small business owner to do this. And Visa MasterCard had kind of pushed out the requirement, basically, as if you may have heard, if you're a retailer, um, you would have to, you would be liable for fraud if you didn't have the EMV enablement. Well, they pushed all this out, and now we're coming around the corner for next year in September where, you know, things have to be all in check. Um, now, the other part of this is gas stations, because, you know, if you go in, you never see a chip-enabled gas pump. It's all swipe. And um, that's going to change. Um, so that's the next kind of, but that's in the future. We'll worry about that in a minute. It's a lot of business, though, if you get that. Right. I mean, the cycle gas. is moving, okay? It's just moving slower than Wall Street would like. And that's not unusual, right? Wall Street's very quick, and sometimes Main Street's a little bit less, um, call it, uh, um, you call it as 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 uh, quick as uh, Wall Street would like, and for a number of reasons, there was you know vendors who didn't want to implement this right away, um, so there was backlogs uh, because uh, software systems and payment systems weren't ready for it yet. So there was all just a whole slew of things that just basically pushed this thing back. Plus, it's a hassle for gas station owners. They just don't, you know, they don't. Well, and cost, right? Yeah, I think it's roughly somebody once told me it's ten thousand dollars a pump to put the different payment system to put a chip payment enabled system in the pump versus what they currently have in the swipe. And the owner picks it up. What's in it for him? Eventually, he's going to have to do it. So it's it's going to happen. Customers won't have the other kind of. Well, yeah, and the, the the the. the payers, Visa, MasterCard, and all the processors are going to demand it. So if he wants to get the payment, he's going to have to do it. So eventually, he, you know, the rubber will hit the, the road. Yeah, the, yeah, eventually. But that's that's for, that's not for a little bit. Of, but but here we have this kind of cycle coming through. And like I said, this company has been in kind of this quandary here. Stock, like I said, is a $2 billion market cap. Trades around 19 and some change. You just reported their quarter last week. It was mediocre. It was okay. As I used to have a football coach who once told me, you had a good game, not a great game. And uh, that kind of was the quarter for Verifone. It was a good quarter, not a great quarter. But as you know in this market, a good quarter sometimes, you know, is going to, if not all the time, is going to move people to sell your stock down. And we had a little bit of pressure. Not huge, but, you know, they, they, knocked, they knocked down a couple pegs, you know, after they reported. It's just a relief sale, you know, with what can go on in a quarter. You're so happy your company made the number. You're just like, I'm getting out now before right. they could screw it up next time. Right. Right, and th- and this company has had that ability to 
throw wrenches in the quarter, you know, and that's because expectations were always there, and it was just a slower. Now, we're starting to see this um, pull through of new products. They have more new products in the pipe right now than they've ever had in the history of the company. This transition is going along very well. They implement globally. So they have products for uh, multi-lane retailers, small business, and international clients. So they have something for everybody. It's an open-source software product, so it's easily be easily designable according to the demands of the user. And it, so it's all open-faced through Linux. And it just is a really, I think, very, and they've dumped a lot of money in R&D. So the, the million-dollar question here is, is that as this builds up, will they become rewarded and starting to see the platform expand out, getting the, uh, getting the loads in the sales? And they have. I mean, they definitely have. And not only that, but because of the, call it, uh, software side of it, the service end of it, which is a kind of a prescription, uh, uh, a, a subscription, I almost said prescription, geez, subscription um, format, is a really nice piece of business that will continue to grow for them. So this is a business, you know, like I said, they have new products coming. All these uh, retailers are going to be using it. They came out with their quarter, which was basically in line. Uh, Gap EPS, I think, was $0.36. Cents. Uh, so there was no problem there. Margin was a little bit pressured a little bit. Um, still kind of trying to get through the movement of getting these uh, new products to, their, to, the, to, the, uh, to the retailer and everybody on the same page, get these things installed up and running. So with that in mind, I think they're starting to work out the kinks. They have great products. And, uh, again, I just think this thing is – it has about a uh, operating margins around 11 and a half. And this is not for the faint of heart. I will say that. I mean, this is a company which I think could have a great run, but, you know, they, they've been trying for a while, and they just haven't been able to – deliver it and so i'm on the side of these guys will bring it to the table and uh, with that i say you should take a look at it pay market cap a little over two billion and uh that and by the way they have a couple of we'll call it underperforming uh um underperforming businesses they sold one which was a chinese um a Chinese company that they had. It was non-core. They blew that out. They have these in the taxi cabs, and you get in the taxi cabs, mm -hmm. you see these kind of TV screens. They have that where you, you know, they're getting, you know, they're gonna try to get get out from under that. And they have when you go into the gas station, you see the TV at the gas station to yeah. try to sell you a Coke or whatever it is, or a soda, I should say. Um, they. Uh, you know, they, they, they have that. So they're in these kind of peripheral businesses. They just did a, um, a joint venture on the gas station side of it. And um, I think that you'll see them start to right the ship, if you will, and getting businesses more streamlined, getting rid of uh, businesses that drag margin down and becoming a more, um, call it, uh, software enabled company with a great hardware installed platform and that is that well said well said all right well i've got one last name <clears throat> and i'm glad it's the last one i'm getting a little sleepy uh, but this has been a great uh, wine auto i appreciate oh, that yeah. yeah maybe i could ha have a refresh oh sure absolutely just so i can power I'll finish through your this last, last name, name. Yeah. yeah a little energy here um Okay, well, I got one more. Came through the screen. Price to cash flow below eight, which means, you know, cash flow yield above twelve and a half. Bunch of retailers came through there. A bunch of energy companies. The last one I want to talk about looks like it probably does have a sustainable business. It's called Penn National Gaming. It's a gaming company. It's um, the largest. I'm sorry, second largest operator of regional casinos in the United States, $2.4 billion in revenue, 20 properties in 14 states. And um, their claim to fame is that they have created this idea of the Racino, which is a racetrack and a casino in one spot, which um, 
I mean, I don't know if it would take a guy like Newton to think of that. You have a, hey, let's have a like some a casino next to the racetrack. But they are getting credit for that. They, uh, do they do they coin the phrase? Is that their? Is they that, racino? Mm-hmm. It's possible. They actually is that uh, actually that's a term, or did you just make that up? No, I'm just reading from the description here. Racino or Racino, it could be. I don't know. But Racino. Uh, you know, I, that's a fun name. It sounds like they're, you know, reaching for a competitive advantage. So they're the only company in the Racino business. But there's lots of racetracks. There's lots of casinos. I guess the thing about it is it's got this yield. And so the question is, is it sustainable? And I would say in terms of gambling, casino gambling, racetrack gambling, people like to gamble. I'm just going to say there's thousands of years of human history, and there's only a few things that we can trace back that far. We know that what some of them are, one of them is gambling. I bet you're wrong. And, uh, and so, and it, it, it's a, you know, it's, it's an, uh, you know, an addictive uh, habit. So I'm not in favor of that necessarily, but if there's a stock where you can benefit, why not? Now, why is this thing so cheap? I don't know, but it's trading not out of line with the rest of the industry, um, and this one looks a little bit cheaper than some of the others. But, you know, you got Caesars and El Dorado, and there's Monarch Casinos, and there's, you know, there's a handful of these things. These guys right now, all I can assume is that uh, the economy is at a peak, and consumers were shrinking their balance sheets recently, so that gives people some concern about future spending. But all I would say is consumers are now adding to their debt. They're buying RVs. They're hitting the road. The economy seems to be getting better. And so there seems to be a little bit of optimism rolling into the economy. GDP just ticked up, the uh, the run rate. And so I think that uh, particularly in an economy where baby boomers are still the wealthiest group, they're all retiring, what do they like to do? I mean, I don't know. What can they do? But one of the things they can do is sit in a chair and gamble. And a lot of them like doing that. And so I just think it's worth looking at. Um, Amazon certainly isn't going to take them out. Oil prices don't matter. And so it's one of those things where one of the industries that's been growing steadily for 10,000 years is entertainment. As people have extra money, extra time in their day, they always gravitate toward entertainment, and um, entertainment as a percentage of GDP around the world has never been bigger than it is today, and that's simply because people plow excess money into things that are entertaining, and gambling is one of those. So a couple uh, details on this one. Um, first, it got through the screen, so we know it's in pretty good shape uh, from a cash flow yield point of view. Some of the other metrics, it's a $2 billion market cap. It's got a 43% gross margin. It's got a 26% EBITDA margin, a 17% operating margin, and a 2% profit margin. So what that means is, because is, I, I know the balance sheet's not too terrible, is that there's a lot of depreciation on properties and possibly some lease payments. But this is a company that um, four years ago spun out the real estate arm, and so undoubtedly there's a big chunk of lease payments that go back to that former division that's now a separate company. But it's trading at a very attractive price. It's one times revenue. It's four times EBITDA, which is a 25% cash-on-cash return. The valuation makes me suspicious something's not right here, so I would definitely do your homework. But nothing's popping up when I pull up recent news. The whole industry seems a little, uh, you know, a little depressed from historical levels. Um, Times interest earned is a little low. I think that's because, um, you know, they're measuring it on a net income plus interest point of view versus an EBITDA point of view. But those are a few things to work out. Um, in terms of doing a little bit of your own homework. But the big picture metrics, return on invested capital is um, in the 8% range. 
Return on assets is 1.5%, but there's some leverage here that helps them get to a decent return on equity. Um, and I just think that the valuation, the sustainability of gambling, um, this type of multiple on cash flow is certainly worth taking a look at. Penn National Gaming, ticker P-E-N-N. -N. That's what I have. How many uh, casinos do they have? Um, it says they have 20 properties. 20 properties? No. There's um, a link here to the website. Maybe we can get a look take at a picture and we'll look at one yeah, of we'll get one of the properties. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. Locations. Oh, look at that. Okay. Hollywood Casino in San Diego. They've got um, something in Illinois. A couple in Illinois. Four in Illinois. Indiana, they have one. Kansas Speedway. I mean, who knew Kansas even had that happening? Maine has a casino hotel in Raceway. Massachusetts. Mississippi has a bunch. Missouri, New Jersey, now, New Mexico. Now, are these Mexico. race horse tracks or are these I think they're car tracks? I think they're race tra horse track, you know, gambling horse tracks. Oh, horse tracks. Yeah. Okay. And there was a loophole in the rules in a lot of these states. Or they, uh, the commissions were at least open to talking about other forms of gambling on your site since they were already allowing gambling horse anyway, gambling. Right, yeah. yeah. Ontario, Canada, Pennsylvania, a handful in Texas, and a couple in Nevada. There you go. So they own the Tropicana. Oh, like. they do? The Tropicana Las Vegas. Oh, wow. So diversified geographically. Not everyone is in this business. Um, I'm going to guess this is from somehow to spin out from the old railroad, Penn, because they kind of had a big portfolio of a ton of stuff and started splitting up about 10 or 15 years ago. But um, that's your, like a, is that a guess or is that you? That's a guess, yeah. Oh. Just because I know they did that. Penn, uh, the railroad, um, broke up into a lot of pieces. So oh. it's possible this is a vestige of that. Okay. But um, good properties. I like the industry. I think it's entrenched because we've got so much history on it, 10,000 years. So I'm, I like that. And I like the valuation. That's all I got. Well, that's enough. Well, I don't have another one. I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'm two and done. I think if you're done, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I'm never good for more than two ideas. Okay. You never want my third idea. So if I ever come on this show with a third idea, you know, and that's the it. one to short, maybe yeah, or something probably. Like that. All right. Well, listen, uh, we could go right now, uh, but let me just take a minute. I found a site that has national economic trends. My old favorite. It's the economic research at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. And I'm just going to type in this thing, economy at a glance. And I don't know anything, but let's just take a look here. Okay. Uh, second quarter 2017, GDP growth. It just hit 3%. That's the highest number since um, 2015. And so that's nice to see. Uh, inflation still well under control. The most recent number from July 2017 is 0.1%. That's low. I'm pretty sure that's annualized. That's very low. Okay. Industrial production. Um, you know what? It ticked down a little bit this quarter or this month. The peak is still April. But summer numbers are always a little suspect. And I'd say um, relative to the past few years, 2015, you know, 10 of the 12 months had negative percent changes in industrial production. Now, four of the last five are up. So that's about as close as you can get. Uh, some of these statistics are like horseshoes. You know, close is all you really can go for. Interest rates are still well under control, although the three-month rate is rising a bit, uh, and uh, that's undoubtedly due to the fact that the Fed has the power to raise unilaterally short-term rates. They don't have much control over long-term rates other than scaring you that you, them raising short-term rates should make you do something with long-term rates. 
but rates are still in pretty good shape. Uh, payrolls keep growing. I'm looking at change in non-farm payrolls on this site I mentioned, and uh, you know this continues to be a positive number month after month. Employment growth is one of the you know great successes since the crash back in uh, or the whatever we're calling it great recession back in 08 and 09 um, and so that continues to be on track um, let's see what else we have here industrial production hours work inventories um, are in really good control right now they're down year over year that's positive and I don't know, Otto, I could, I could go on here. GDP, good. Uh, I already said that. What else? I'm just repeating this. Inventory is in good shape. Inventory to sales in good shape. Coming to the end here. Anyway, that's it. Well, economy, it's, it's, summary, economy, good. Wow. Yeah. So if you're out there listening, you're a just graduated college student, or you're looking to graduate through this year, you got a pretty good road in front of you. I mean, it looks like things are, you know, opening up for college grads, you know, right? We, these, yeah. these guys should be able to, you know, these people should be able to get a job. I think so. And, um, you know, start contributing to uh, society. And paying taxes. Paying taxes. So our taxes yeah. can go down. Right, yes. So we need all the help we can get. As you know, it, we're uh, the country's in a deficit situation, and we're trying to wrestle, a, you know, a huge balloon of debt down so all you college graduates get out there and start paying taxes we need we re- them to pay extra we'd really taxes. appreciate it we'd really you know, appreciate I mean, we got to work longer because they're not willing to pay more in taxes isn't that how it kind of comes down yeah but i you know i think that you know we have this is a good group you know is i it? think yeah i think this is a good group you know the college kids coming out when we interview them i mean they're all they're all pretty solid yeah 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 okay. pretty good so i you know and they got a good road in front of them with uh Job opportunities, I think, and uh, pay looks to be pretty good, you know, when they come out. Uh, so, uh, yeah, with what you just talked about on the economy, uh, you know, if I was a college, if I was a senior right now, I'd be pretty happy. Well, you know what? If you want to write the value guys, everybody, just write val at thevalueguys.com. And if it's for auto. No resumes. Don't yeah, send any resumes. I'll forward it. Um, but we're willing to take mail and things like that. And if the mail's good, you know, we'll read one on the show. We have intended to do that, but I think, Otto, you were talking about that. So um, that's all we have this week, and appreciate you listening in. See all our caveats, disclosures, pictures our moms took when we were babies at www.thevalueguys.com, and we'll see you next week, everybody. Ciao.